Three years ago, young Tony watched with horror as his father was taken into the night sky by a mysterious blinding light and never seen again. Until now. His father is coming home, but he's not the man he used to be. That's the setup for one of the 80s most notoriously absurd sci-fi horror flicks, 1982's Extro, written and directed by Harry Bromley Davenport. I'm Josh Allred. I'm Connor Izagari. And this is Filmgasm. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Welcome to the Filmgasm podcast. And boy, do we have a treat for you as Connor and I are going to be talking about a bizarre sci-fi horror mashup released in the UK in 82 and in the States in 1983. I already said it at the top, but it's a title you can't get out of your head. Extra. It was written and directed by Harry Bromley Davenport and starred Philip Sayer, Bernie Steggers, Simon Nash, and Mariam Diabo. Um, this is a film that falls under the classification. It's got to be seen to be believed. Uh, words cannot cannot possibly encapsulate just what you see when you watch this movie. Um, Connor, if you could sum up this film in a couple words, what would they be? The fuck? <laughs> I, I was not prepared for whatever the hell this was. I, I looked at the cover. I looked at, you know, the cast and the synopsis. And I thought like, oh, this is alien with some ET thrown in. It's probably going to be like a goofy comedy. I'm going to hate this. <laughs> and I watched it and I'm like, fuck. All right. We're going hard here. Uh, from just watching a full grown man get birth from a woman to like toys coming to life and a fucking like Panther killing a boyfriend. Like this thing does not stop. Like there's no rules here. It's just, it, it does whatever the fuck it wants. It, it expects you to expect that, which I think is brilliant. I've never had a film give so little fucks before and still work. I've never seen anything like that. Yeah. Um, so when, uh, when I, when I watched this with Caleb, uh, I started digging through a lot of the special features and one of them, actually all of them uh, had the director. Uh, they were talking to him through bits and pieces of it and literally quoting from him, which I put in my review and I'm going to do my best to do an impression of Harry Bromley Davenport right now. And he said, uh, we just, we just wanted to make a horror film. Bloody be disgusting and horrify people <laughs> so like literally that's that's what his mindset was behind this and fuck if they didn't deliver like it's it is that it's 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 bloody it's horrifying it's it's really disgusting it's it's unsettling it's upsetting and it like you said it just never stops and i i can't believe that this movie doesn't have more of an appreciation for just like how bananas it is. It's one of those movies that people always hear about. And sometimes they're just too afraid to take the leap. And I mean, you, you might be surprised to know this, 
but I'm sure you looked at the credits, who the executive producer of this movie was. A young man by the name of Robert Shea. Does that name strike any, ring any bells? Not at the moment, but go ahead. He's only the man who was working for a little upstart production and distribution company called New Line Cinema back in the day out of New York. So before he had the house that Freddie built, Bob Shea was just getting out there, just trying to make movies. Um, He was friends with the producer, Mark Forstatter, who was, uh, I think he was an expat living in Britain. And it was their collaboration that kind of brought this movie to life. Uh, Bob Shea put up half the money and Mark Forstatter had to get the other half. Um, In true executive producer fashion, and because Bob Shea always wanted to make movies of his own, um, his influence is certainly felt in this. And in particular, for one scene that you brought up, which will definitely, I'm sure we'll come to it more than once, because it is, it it certainly falls, like, it really does bring out the what the fuck spirit of this movie and that's the panther like it was his idea to have it I'm like yeah you just got because for him he even told um he even told uh harry bromley davenport and i'll come to that so like um davenport and his friend uh michelle perry had the initial idea for the movie and they called it monstro which admittedly not the best title it's terrible However, um, it's because Perry loved Hammer uh, horror films, um, but uh, Forstatter thought their early draft was old-fashioned. He didn't want it to be a a Hammer film. You know, he wanted it to be something different. So they passed it on to friends of Mark's um, who are credited as the the screenwriters, uh, Ian Cassie and Robert Smith. And then that version of the script went to Bob Shea. And then from there, Bob Shea was like, okay, yeah, we can make this. And so Harry goes to New York for his first time, his first visit to New York. He said it was the scariest place he's ever been to. It was just so disgusting. And um, uh, he, he called it perfect, perfect British description. It's the more unsavory parts of Manhattan. So that's where he's going. And he's doing the rewrites there. And Bob Shea tells him, and he does an impression of Bob Shea, which is like every British person doing an impression of an American sounds like a fucking cowboy. It's like, it's got to be wacky. It's got to be off the wall. So, yeah, like I said, Bob Shea's idea to stick the Black Jaguar in there um, for no other reason than to just be sensational, just ridiculous. And Harry Bromley Davenport and the... uh, cinematographer sat in a cage for four hours shooting that scene where in the in the hallway where it's just stark white and you got this black jaguar walking towards them they sat there for four hours drinking beer and then pissing in the bottles because they couldn't go anywhere excruciating and i think he he said it was what did he say let me see if i can find it in my my in my I've got it here because he really like he says it like the way he described it. It's really 
It's really funny. I think he just said it was expensive. It was ridiculous, but it paid off. It worked. Like he didn't want to do it. Bob Shea was like, no, we got to do it. It's got to be ridiculous. It's got to be crazy. And, and it worked, obviously. Um, it was also his idea to accentuate Miriam Diabo's assets, if you will. So, yeah. Beautiful French woman. She's got to be naked, obviously. Um, <laughs> like, what a... So that was that was uh, part of what I had um, said to you and I texted you about this movie, that this movie has a connection to the Bond films. Because Miriam Diabo ended up being in a Bond movie because this extra was her first movie. And I'm trying to remember. Trying she, to remember the name of the movie that she was in. She was Kara Malovi in The Living Daylights. Bond is my forte. I knew her immediately. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so there and, you go. Uh, yeah, I always thought she was super hot. So thank you for that, at the very least. That's what I do for my friends. <laughs> so yeah. around the time that this comes out, you've got um, E.T., Alien had come out in 79. And, you know, you think, for me at least, you know that the Italians are basically the masters of the ripoff movie and Mark Forstatter knew that he wanted to, he wanted to, to ride in that wave. He wanted to, to follow in that path, but he wanted to make something different. Um, and that was where the log line, <laughs> the log line of, and it's in the trailer too. If you ever, if you ever look at the trailer, the log line is some extraterrestrials aren't so friendly. <laughs> this is basically like the anti-ET, like obviously. Um, but yeah, like the Italians had made some some uh some terrible ass ripoffs, literally one titled Aliens 2. And then one of my favorites uh by Luigi Cosi called Contamination. And, and that's another like straight up, like they have egg-shaped alien creatures in there, you know, like there's just all any and all manner of ripoffs that they're that they're pulling through all of that and so they knew that that's what they were trying to do they were trying to trying to just slide right in there and get their own movie out um you take any guesses to how much uh, the budget was on extra uh seems low uh so in uk money at the time they raised four hundred and fifty thousand pounds and i I did the I did the math. That is about six hundred grand American in the in the eighties, which in today's money is just over two million dollars. So it is absolutely like in low budget territory. But really, when you watch that, you don't really parts of it. Yes, you can feel it, but for a lot of it, because of how hard they go on the effects. Because that's what's going to sell a movie like this. It's the effects that are going to sell this movie. They really like use every trick in the book to, to make you believe that this world is real. Even, even if some of the gags are really, really ridiculous. Um, one of them being when Sam first comes back and he's calling his house on the phone. The, 
he actually had burned his hand because they literally just had a heating element inside a phone and it was probably made out of rubber or some kind of flimsy ass plastic. And as it was heating up, it was like burning in his hand and he just dropped it. So that's why. Yeah. So like stuff like that, but I mean, it's a pretty cool effect. It makes absolutely no sense. Cause you're like, why the fuck is that happening? You know, or why is he huffing gas? You know, like there's so many ridiculous things that go on in this movie. So many. The, the melting plastic, I bet, came about because Shay or somebody else said the alien in Alien melted shit. So our aliens got to melt shit, too. I mean, no doubt. No doubt. It's it's probably just as simple as that. Um, what other than the, the most obvious thing that sticks in your mind with this movie? Like, I know you had pointed out that you really enjoyed the story. And that is something that they spoke about with the quality of the, the parents, Philip Sayer and uh, Bernie Steggers, who just before this movie, she was in a Fellini movie. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Which like one? She's, uh, I want to say it was like City of Women or something like that. I'm trying to remember. It's one of those. I've only seen like three, so I figured it's probably not one of those three. Yeah, she was in a Fellini movie. And I mean, you can definitely tell that with that whole, because there's like at least two, maybe three different kinds of stories being juggled in here. And the one that is the most compelling, obviously, is Mm -hmm. Sam trying to reconnect with Rachel and like that whole struggle and drama that's come about but then you also have this weird wacky alien element that is just looming over everything it's yeah it's uh i was surprised at that i i didn't expect them to give really give me a compelling family dynamic like that of you know dad's been gone for three years mom moved on dad comes home mom's conflicted new guy doesn't like it i was in i'm like what happens here and Joe doesn't seem like the most, you know, endearing stepdad. He's, he's kind of a dick. Uh, oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. But like, apart from that, the weirdest thing I didn't think I'd, I'd uh, connect to was Tony and the snake. There's something about that that just made me smile. I got so pissed when the neighbor lady killed the snake. I was like, no, Harry, no. <laughs> yeah. Was, Harry. Yeah, and then that leads into, you know, Tony abusing his psychic powers. It all works. Like, nothing ever feels out of place. It Like, the second that he, you know, dad says, like, these powers will give you, like, you can do whatever you want with them. I'm like, all right. And they, he does whatever they want. Like, full-blown reality warping powers to make a, make a panther, turn your toys into a giant soldier and a dwarf clown. Okay, sure. Anything goes. Uh, yeah. This was this was an interesting watch. I kind of and I kind of like that it the, the movie like f- from the moment it starts it doesn't let up like it's very and even though um, the director said that there's a lot of um, he uh, he calls it connecting tissue there's a lot of that stuff that didn't um, make it into the cut that came out and on the Blu-ray I have it's got the 
Uh, it's got the original ending, then it's got the alternate ending, and it's got the VHS cut from the UK when it came out on home video there. And then it's got the director's cut that he had put together in 2018 when that version was released. And he said there was a lot more connecting tissue that kind of helps bring the story together. And for you to be very held to the narrative in a movie, the fact that you're saying that I was actually shocked by um, just because like this movie feels like when you think about it, excuse me, there are just it for me, it's like these like moments that are punctuated by these events that happen like those, they, they stand out so much in your head that you almost kind of forget some of the things in between. But then when you go back and you actually watch it, you're like, okay, I can track what really what's going on. Um, I mean, and like I said, it, it wastes no time, you know, Sam and Tony are playing out in the yard for some reason. Dad's playing the worst game of fetch with their dog. He's like, Oh, go get this stick on top of the tree. And boom, dad gets picked up, gone. Tony, we find out, has been having nightmares about this. And he keeps seeing his dad. And mom has to reassure him that your dad's gone. He just left us. And she's convinced of that. Tony isn't. Tony knows what happened. And it, it, it kind of has a little bit of that, like, very, in, in very vague, in a very vague way, the Amblin connection of like the kids always know what's going on. The adults don't want to believe the fantastic thing is happening. The kids know. And then it's kind of up to the kids to make, you know, to make everything right again. But that doesn't necessarily happen in this movie. Yeah. Like my only real beef with the film, you mentioned that, you know, I, I really subscribe to a narrative. I did. There wasn't really any sense of plot resolution mainly because the aliens just kind of show up briefly at the beginning and then are never seen again. And that's really my only problem with it. Like I wanted it to kind of come full circle and some alien shows up at the end and is like, you know, now you will take this world for our race or some shit like that, something. But instead we get mom in a bathtub full of eggs. Well, funny you talk about that. So like for me, the way, the way I, the way I read the events was, when Sam comes back, that's who is coming out of the muck and crab walk in their way, which um, the person that played the alien and the person that played the commando toy was a mime musical group known as Tick and Talk, literally spelled the same way that the brain draining time suck app tiktok is spelled those guys these two these two english guys and they were convinced to get all dressed up and play these parts and the guy that did the alien bit uh his name is sean crawford he was so brave take a full body cast in the crab walk position to do that to get his body cast and then it was his idea to be like hey why don't we have me walk backwards and the head of the thing can be on the back of my head yeah he really fucked himself in that regard <laughs> um so not only that as if that wasn't excruciating enough 
he it was also cold as shit when they were shooting at night and they literally dug a hole and filled it with water and told him to submerge himself so he could rise out of the muck you know after the crash and whatever and of course as as these things happen the mask started to fill up with water so but yeah and they were calling action and he didn't come up when they were calling action because the mask was filling up and he couldn't hear anything oh boy he eventually got up carried on but he was cold as hell so it's like you know these are the risks and something that would never happen that stuff would never happen now that would all be done digitally nobody would ever get in that position but that's part of the charm of that that's what makes it so real and so tactile when you see these kinds of effects and that's where all, you know like i said earlier that's where all the money goes to a movie like this and it really sells it um fun fact so that shot where the alien is coming out of the woods and the car is coming up on it um want to say i want to say it was the producer uh mark forstatter he was saying that that clip started to get passed around like actual evidence of aliens coming out oh my and god this was proof yeah yeah from this from this fucking unknown gem of a horror movie that's that's the magic of this movie and that's how fucked up this shit is that people well, actually thought this is proof you see this, this is an alien man he got hit by a car and well it was like you fucking jackasses i guess if you haven't seen the movie you know maybe it looks like docu footage i don't know i mean maybe i don't know but like that me that's not the first thing i'm gonna think about that's not the first. i'm like oh shit aliens are real no i'm probably gonna be like what fucking movie was this from i have to see it <laughs> I love that there's people out there who saw a clip from this thing and thought, oh, there it is right there. The world's about to change. <laughs> that's you that's the funniest proof? shit I've ever heard. I have proof. <laughs> I love if that guy like whips out his extra DVD and like shows it to you. Like he's completely like he doesn't fucking get it. <laughs> oh, my God. That's fantastic. <laughs> so, yeah, that's how everything starts. You know, that's when Sam's home and, you know, doesn't exactly, which some, somebody brought this up in one of the, uh, the, the special features. It's like, you know, aliens are supposed to be advanced uh, races and they have all this technology, but every time they come here, they're always crashing. Like how, how, how fucking terrible drivers are they that every time they come here, suddenly they just forget how to land. Man, it's a good point, but who's to say, you know, it's every time, you know, the time, maybe just, you know, one in five or something, but the ones that don't land, we don't fucking hear about them. We don't see them. They're doing their job right. I could see the, the only ones that, that, that pop into my head right now are when uh, E.T.'s family lands, they don't crash. Um, the one of the aliens in Independence Day, they crash when Will Smith gives them the line but that was more from a dog fight than anything else um i think was it spaced invaders i think they crash landed maybe that was invaders from mars i always get those two mixed up um but yeah seems to happen but again we're only getting the quote-unquote 
evidence of them being terrible drivers to continue on this thread of movies being proof that aliens exist. Close Encounters. I don't think they tra- they crashed. Oh no no no! They were they were musicians. Of course not. And Predator is here on vacation, so he needs a ride home. Very much so. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, just checking that out. Just looking at every alien in sci-fi movies are just terrible drivers who fucked up. That's, yeah, that's great. I love that. <laughs> um, and then, as you always do in these kinds of movies, you want to check what you just hit. So this guy. Uh, his name was uh, the actor's name is Robert Pereno. He goes and checks out what 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 he hits. <laughs> and in uh, in one of the special features, he's talking like that's like the only thing he's known for is the line "stay in the car." <laughs> it's like constantly repeating it, and they keep intercutting him saying it with shots from the movie of him going back. It's like that's the only thing people say to me when they see me: "Stay in the car." And yeah, of course, you know, he pays for his curiosity. Um, he extra fucking flicks his tongue out and stabs him in the eyeballs and he's down for the count. Only just to be left there so Sam can get some clothes later. Um, and that's where the creature stumbles onto uh, Susie Sylvie, but she is billed as woman in cottage in the credits. Um, even though she is literally in the scene that this movie is known for. Literally, she gets billed as woman in cottage, but she the reason why they got her is because she was willing to do what they what they needed to have done. You know, she was comfortable with nudity or whatever and just going for it. Um I mean, so, as an actress, there's there's comfortability with nudity, and then there's whatever the fuck this is. I mean, oh. I can't imagine getting that, like, you know, the interview of, like, so this is what we've got planned for our vision. Uh, I hope we're on the same page about this. Uh, we're going to have a grown man be birthed from you, and we're going to see as much as possible. Are you cool with that? <laughs> She's just like, let's do this. Not even that. Not even that. That's That's the payoff. First off, we're gonna have we're gonna have some weird tentacle alien dick thing fly out of its chest, and uh, yeah, he's gonna inject you with stuff. Whatever, we don't really know. We're just kind of making this up. And then, if that wasn't bad enough, then you're gonna have a boy, or I mean, a man. So yeah, like this scene was so memorable that a movie that came out i think it was either late last year or early this year Uh, i saw it um during uh one of the episodes of the last drive-in and it was by a uh, south african filmmaker uh named ryan kruger interesting enough continue the little connection with bob shea and new line um (laughs) he came out with a movie called fried berry and in Fried Berry, this junkie is basically hijacked by an alien um, and experiences the world through Barry's junkie riddled body. Um, and there is a scene where he 
finds a lady of the night and they have fun. And literally seconds later, she gives birth. And as I was watching that, um, frequently I'll tweet along with that kind of stuff just to, you know, participate with the online horror community and try to spread the love that is filmgasm. And I literally tweeted in all caps, she got extrode. And the director was watching along with us and he was like, this guy gets it. <laughs> so knew exactly where this guy was pulling, pulling his plays from like, man, you're, you're not going to get that one by me, buddy. <laughs> and fantastic. yeah, like that movie is wild. Yeah. That movie is wild. Like if you like extra, you really like, I, I think you'll enjoy fried berry. Cause it's just like, it's cranked to 11. You think this movie goes wild. This movie goes wild. Um, yeah. So that's just like, <laughs> It's so crazy, but this this actually this scene actually plays kind of tense and um, really interesting in a way because when she comes back inside, she's turning off lights and then everything is just like washed in red. And apparently, there is a uh, extra super fan. Uh, I think his name is David Atherton, and he called it a British giallo in these scenes, which. Broad strokes, yeah, I could see, I, I could see where he's talking about um, doing that. Basically, uh, the woman <laughs> goes in, and uh, there, uh, the the alien trips her, flings out his uh, his his appendage, we'll call it, and uh, impregnates her, and then it rolls over and dies, and winds up turning into a pile of goo. Um, when she wakes up, she sees her dog named Divine, which was, uh, named after John Waters Muse, the wonderful drag queen. And, uh, one of my other cinematic heroes love divine. Uh, I also love drag queens. I think they're amazing performers. Um, and I'm, I'm in awe of anybody that can go up there like that and just leave it all on stage. It's amazing. Um, so yeah, as she gets up, she collapses. She looks down and boom, just swollen belly. It's the craziest shit ever. And you see like undulations, all this thing in her. You hear all these weird sick sounds. And yep, like I said, she had a she had a man and out squirms Sam. And to like kind of like um, to put an exclamation point on that scene. Bites off the umbilical cord. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Dear God. <laughs> At that point, I was like, you know what? I can, all right, I can cross it off my list. I've never seen that before. <laughs> no, I mean, you only, you only had stuff hinted like that and not even in nearly a growth. Pops into my head as something that crazy is when Jim Carrey is popping out of the robotic rhinoceros's butthole in Ace Ventura when nature calls. <laughs> but that, but that can't hold a candle to this, even though Jim Carrey, like really like goes f probably further in its, in its explicitness. Sam's birth is infinitely worse just because of how ridiculous it is that that would happen. 
It just comes out of nowhere. Literally comes out of nowhere. Well, and it's not hammed up. It's not played for laughs. Like, it's a very serious moment of like, oh, shit. Like, something wicked this way comes. Like, you're getting a vibe of like, the, the, the bad guy has arrived. It's yeah, it's freaky. Yeah, and it's like um it's it's a uh, it's a revelation too because I think at that moment you're not sure what's coming out of there. And then you see who it is and you're like, "What the fuck? That was in there?" All right. Here we go. And then he takes a shower in the kitchen. As you do, you know. First thing you first thing you do when you're born, ah, let's get all this gross crap off me. I got to Got to find some clothes. And then this is why I think Sam was the crab walking extra. He knows where the body is to go pick it up and to go get the clothes. I just, I assumed it was like a hive mind situation. Perhaps, but we only, we like for me, and to take my uh, my cognitive film theory approach, you know, like your you only your only evidence is what's on screen, and what and what you see is just like this, you know, kind of cause and effect thing. You see this alien, this alien does this thing to the woman. Dad's back. Dad knows where the body is. Was Dad the alien? Who knows? I mean, and you know, and and he kind of lets on about that when he's talking to Tony, when he says, "I had to be changed." in order to live there. So little things like that are what kept me thinking that, yes, that is him, but only on the outside, which we find out later. True. But then like why, you know, he actively does, you know, want his wife and son back. Like he, there's still a lot of Sam left in there. So, like, is it a hybrid Sam? Was Sam completely turned into an alien? Like, these are the questions that, you know, I still have. Sure. Um, I, I would like to think that there is part of Sam there. But I also feel like it's more like a Sam suit in a way. Because this creature does have purpose. It's a very singular purpose. And he even says it explicitly. He's like, I came back for you. He came back for Tony and kind of, I guess, winning Rachel back only had a secondary purpose, which depending on which version of the movie you got, there's two different ways that pans out. Um, like, okay, so when Sam comes home and they have that awkward moment where he and Joe are meeting and, you know, Joe's like trying to like put his arm around her and be like, I'm here now. So what are you going to do? It's like, I'm coming home, bro. Like, what are you talking about? This is my family. Uh, and then he, uh, then he eats the eggs. Like, why? Like, what the fuck? This <laughs> is one of these moments. Like, what the hell? Okay. All right. All right. Dad's not, dad's not really dad if he's eating eggs. And then he gives Tony the gift, right? To me, it wasn't so much that he ate the eggs. It was how he ate the eggs. <laughs> just like smashing them into his face. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Just, you know, they're they're this big. They're snake eggs. They're tiny. Just pop them like Skittles. Why you got to like smash them up like that? <laughs> it's for effect. For him. 
I guess. I don't know. <laughs> oh, and then the, like how he gives to, uh, Tony the gift is so creepy. Oh, yeah. like fucking vampiric sucking that like creates like a tumor on on the on the body. It's so freaky looking. It's an impressive effect. Oh, but absolutely. It's, yeah, it's like there's a whole new you know layer to these creepy ass aliens. They're vampires too. <laughs> There's something they 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 love sucking and shooting goo into whomever they come across, um, and like when he when he explains um, to Tony, you know, kind of like what he can do, um, Tony kind of experimenting with that, and this is where the first time I had seen this movie, I did I had no idea where the Panther came from. I was like, what the hell is going on? But then I was watching, and this was from the Super Extra fan. Uh, he pointed out that there is actually like a toy panther in a in a cage next to where the uh, the little person clown is swinging on the bar. And then in another shot, it's outside of the cage, and then it's gone, which you start to think, okay, so at least there, there's some kind of intent there. But according to the director, he's just like, yeah, I mean, people are just connecting dots that weren't necessarily, like, there was never any intention behind any of that. The fact that it's there, though, it's kind of like, well, whose leg are you pulling? Pulling my leg? Like, come on, what's going on? What's going on here? Yeah, like, why not just own it? Like, what do you gain from being coy about that? I don't get it. <laughs> um, so, like, the, the the sense that I get of who um, Harry Bromley Davenport is from these uh, interviews he did is he loves taking the piss out on people. He loves having fun with you, and he will – and he's got a really good sense of humor um, – he made a remark about the name of the snake. He's like, oh yeah, they named it Harry. That's, that's just hilarious, isn't it? You know, like he, even he knew it's like, yeah, it's, it's absurd. It's, it's female snakes, female snakes lay eggs. It's named Harry. That's it's totally ridiculous. <laughs> this guy's got a sense of humor about him and he's in true British, British fashion. He never, you know, he never cracks when he's telling jokes, you know, like he's not going to, he's not going to, he's not going to let you know when he's pulling your leg, he's going to make you think about it. It's all part of their art. Yeah, definitely. Um, this, I haven't checked his IMDb page, but like, what else has he done? Uh, he did a movie before extra that caught the attention of um, Mark Forstatter. And trying to think of the name of it, I had it written down. I didn't have my, I don't have my notebook with me where I wrote it down. Um, I think it was like Whispers of Fear or something like that. And for him, it was, he even said it, it was like, it was his take on repulsion. So like he's trying to, that was Polanski, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he's trying to pull a Polanski with with his with his movie, and then I don't I don't know what he what else he did after Extra, but I know that the two 
he also wrote and directed Extra 2 and Extra 3, which have nothing to do with each other. They're like sequels in name only. And he was actively trying to get the funding together to come up with another extra movie called Extra, the big one. That's a great Again, title. yeah, again, <laughs> being such a shit and, and, having, and having a sense of humor, he was going to set it in L.A. And the big one is in reference to an earthquake. And then the aliens come. And they're trying to capitalize on this disaster and to take over the planet, all that stuff. Um, he even had uh, some test footage that he put together. And there's all kinds of crazy shit. It's like iMovie effects and some silly stuff going on. But like he's really trying to sell his idea. And as far as I know, that was 2019, I think, was when he was trying to do that. But nothing else has been seen about it. Um, I was trying to look it up and see if there was any more production information about it. Um, and I can't find anything, which leads me to believe that he hasn't been able to get the money for it. Understandable. I mean, 2020, really nobody was making movies. Um, and even the aliens in Extra 2 and Extra 3 are completely different from the original one. Actually, the original ones in extra so like it's almost like he was kind of just using it as an umbrella because he even made up when they were doing a lot of the initial um trying to sell the movie he he was like well i just well i just came up with the word extra i gave it a silly definition that it was it meant extraterrestrial it's another word for extraterrestrial i'm just like again he's just he's just pulling it out all the stops, you know, just trying to do anything and everything to market this movie and sell it. And I think that was kind of him trying to have a catch all and just to make these movies. Cause I think the second one has something to do with like the government catching aliens and doing their experiments on them, trying to control them, shit like that. And I think the third one, they're on an Island, but they don't know that the Island is actually a spaceship and there's an alien there and, all hell breaks loose as these things do. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like how the history of these movies go come about. And I was actually pleasantly surprised to know that he was still trying to make these movies. So, and, and I haven't seen him. Um, Second sight put out the Blu-ray of extra that I have. I think extra two is hard to find. I haven't um, been able to find it. And then vinegar syndrome put out extra three which you can still pick up and I might pick it up, but I've also heard from people that it is hard to watch. So the quality of these movies has gone down, which is, which is saying something for, you know, some more discerning critics about this movie, which that was something I was looking up. Cause you know, my thoughts about rotten tomatoes and yeah. critic scores and all this crap. Yeah. This movie has, it was like 38% on Rotten Tomatoes based on eight reviews. So that's a small sample size anyway. And I don't trust those eight people. Um, IMDb has it at a 5.6 out of 10. And then underneath that, when you're looking at movies and stuff, they'll show like, you know, users for Google or whatever. It had an 80% approval 
like 80% of people that watched this movie liked it. I'm like, and I was looking at Caleb when I was looking it up. So I was like, so who's wrong here? Who's wrong here? Hmm. I wonder, I'm, I'm looking at you, Rotten Tomatoes. I don't trust you eight people. If all these other people have said they love it. And oh, by the way, well, everybody knew that listens to this show because even because I picked this, that I'm going to love this movie. But we'll also be pleasantly surprised to find out, as I was, that Connor has a nice score for this as well. And we'll get there. Um, yeah. Is there I anything do- else that like you, because I know you said you have some notes and stuff. Is there anything else that you want to touch on? I have a couple things, but first I do want to point out the letterbox score of extra is 3.2 out of five, which is not bad. Yes. That was another one. I was, uh, I was looking at too. Um, one thing, two things that freaked me out. Uh, when Tony wakes up covered in someone else's blood, that was a great touch. Uh, I love that. They call the doctor and I, I, it looks like Joe went back to sleep. Oh, of course. Which is like, okay, he's a prick. Gotcha. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> that made me laugh. And then later on, some it freaked me out. I don't know why it freaked me out. It's when, right after Mrs. Goodman kills the snake, and Tony's like, oh, this will not stand. And awakens his toys. And she hears a knock on the door. She opens it briefly. And then you just see a claw come through and cut her lock. Like that fucked me, man. That was like that right there was terrifying. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then it's a toy soldier that stabs her to death. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that was like, like when I, when I first saw that part, I was like, holy shit. Like I wasn't, I wasn't pulled out, but I was also like, this is also like, this is, the most frightening, but also the most ridiculous thing I have ever seen that is like going to come and kill this lady. And even when she killed the snake, like you remember she, uh, she handed it back to Rachel and it's just like a bag of goo. And like, like what the he's fuck? Not, he's not responsible for anything. Just throw it out. Giving it back as a bag of guts is a weird power move that's unnecessary. Extremely <laughs> unnecessary. That's just adding insult to injury. You might as well have just dumped it on the kid's head or something. Oh, Fuck. God. Oh, shit. But spe- okay, so speaking of creepy things, when he gets uh, Annalise and he does his own little, uh, you know, implanting, if you will. Um, so... This also shows how much of a trooper uh, Miriam Diabo was, uh, this being her very first uh, film role. She was in that apparatus for hours on end, and she only had a bicycle seat to sit on. Ouch. Jeez. And this is, this is fucking Harry Davenport. After a while, a bicycle seat can get very uncomfortable i don't know if you know this it's like yeah no shit dude i sit on a bicycle seat for 20 minutes my asshole hurts like i could only imagine for being up there for like four to six hours jesus and then and then she's just got these eggs just coming out of her underneath her got to get the shots since get the shots yeah i mean but all of that like and 
I think that that level of commitment she has and the, the effects that they are able to put together really just like they range from just creepy creatures to these otherworldly like concoctions even though like it doesn't make any like point a to point b like sense for what you've seen from these creatures like it's all just you're, you're so engrossed at that point that none of it feels like out of place you're just like yeah sure there's a friggin little person clown who's now tony's henchman and he's you know making sure all the eggs are taken care of and they've got a nice place to you know to 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 incubate in a fucking refrigerator full of goo that they all just sit in and oh by the way the fucking building superintendent he's gonna kill him with a spinning top that guy was so unnecessary it's like oh yeah no problem absolutely you can count on me hangs up bitch (laughs) (laughs) and then he goes and does it like what is this what's this guy's issue (laughs) so funny because like i think i think Maybe I, I would have to be corrected on this. I don't know because I'm not British. Is that is that a very British move though? Like you hang up the phone, you insult the person that asked you to do this ridiculous thing, but then you go to do the ridiculous thing because you have to do what you said you did, even though you didn't really want to do it. You told them you do it. You're gonna go do it and curse yeah. them the whole way. It's bad form. You have to, you know. You insult people privately, but in public, you're, you know, an upstanding, stiff upper lip British citizen. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Two-faced fuckers. Before we get, I do want to point out, um, in 2002, uh, Mariam Diabo led a really cool documentary called Bond Girls Are Forever that catalogs kind of the uh, history of Bond girls throughout the franchise. She interviews um, a whole bunch of past Bond girls, including Ursula Andress and Jill St. John. And uh, it's really cool. It's really neat. And you get to see the Bond franchise through the lens of the kind of the most, you know, uh, objectified members of the cast. So definitely worth checking out. No, that's awesome. And I think that is, that is something I really enjoy about, um, what horror does the genre specifically and how it gives opportunities to, you know, young and hungry writers, directors, special effects, artists, actors, those people, they all get their start here in this dirty little sandbox that nobody wants to give credit to, but without it, you wouldn't have a lot of the names that you would have as we know them now. I mean, you think about somebody like Roger Corman, the careers that he started. I mean, you could just you could just start naming names and it's it's because of him. You know, Francis Ford Coppola, Jack Nicholson, Joe Dante. Um, God, who else? I'm trying to think. Oh, fuck. Um, is it, no, it's not Dick Smith. God damn it. Wait. Anyway. You get my point. Yeah. Like, yeah, of course. It's it's really refreshing. And then the, I'm I'm very sure that you were quite surprised when I was throwing that out there that there's a connection to the Bond movies by way of extra. 
you're like what yeah sure okay be on the lookout for it yeah that was neat and then like as soon as she came on screen i'm like it's kara oh my god (laughs) that was just yeah it's neat i love i love i love that i love when i can make a connection like that so as this movie continues to get more and more absurd um probably one of the other more upsetting scenes happens where they're out at their their cottage trying to find Tony um, and Rachel and Sam are having a reconnecting moment. And then we start to see that something's happening to Sam and he is slowly uh, losing his losing his skin, literally. Um, And then it really like it turns from a very loving moment of reconnection to a moment of sheer horror and uh sexual assault and it's it's handled in such a crazy way like sam's apologizing for what he's doing and is almost like immediately repulsed by what he did and then he's and then he's gone and he's running out and that's like where we're coming to the end of this movie and that sam has made this transition into his full skeletal form that uh, we also see Tony is starting to change as well. When they're standing there, you don't really see the ship. You just see this blinding white light and Rachel finds them. She's screaming for them to come back. She wants Tony back. And Tony, it's like, he doesn't even know that she's there. And he turns and walks into the ship and, Sam walks into the ship, blinding light again, and Rachel's just left there all alone. Joe got exploded, I think, something like that. Didn't his head explode or some crazy shit like that? Sam he, screamed at him. Sam screamed First, at him, and his ears started bleeding, and like his like an aneurysm happened or something. I guess they blew their load. Pun, God, I'm sorry. Pun not intended. <laughs> But it happened <laughs> on 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 all of the other good effects that they uh, that they couldn't uh, couldn't blow his head up. I'm sure that's what they wanted to do. Yeah, I'm sure. It's a, it's a shame. He was <laughs> he deserved a you know a better death. Oh, absolutely. That was a total asshole. Even though he is he is uh, he's the American in the movie. You're like, yeah, you're still a dick. I don't like you. Sorry. I like this. I like this weird kid who's got a pet snake and you know, can make his own friends. Um, But yeah, okay. So this is where I was telling you before where you have one of two endings. And it sounds like you got the alternate ending because you said you're talking about a room full of eggs, right? Yes. Okay. So the ending you saw was the, I guess... So one way to think about it is the uh, is the carry ending, the shock ending, where Rachel picks up the egg, and a very familiar appendage comes exploding out. Yep, that was the attaches. one. So, check this out: the Rachel in that is not actually Bernice Steggers, the very good double, um, and yep. it's. Uh, 
it's not surprising that the person who wanted this ending, because it was more, in his words, punchy, Bob Shea. Yep, makes sense. <laughs> so that's the that's considered like the darker ending. Um, and the more I think the 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 definitely the the weirder ending is in that very same room that Rachel walks into. Um when she opens the door, you just see a lot of Tony's. And there's and as she walks in there you see like all these kids are wearing really shitty Tony masks and they're all coming up to her and they're rubbing her belly and they're saying, mom, mom, mom. And it does like these weird, like dissolving movement with the, the kids to where like, they're just all shifting around her and like they're all rubbing her stomach and she's visibly pregnant, which if you're thinking about it, shows that Sam succeeded in what he was doing and that maybe, you know, his, his plan was twofold in a way, um, one way or another, I guess, depending on which ending you see, there's more, th there was more to come after, the, after they left. Um, but yeah, like if you can find that ending, it's, it's really creepy. It's very, very creepy. Um, to see this room full of kids just walking up to to Rachel and just kind of like petting her. And she's a, she's standing there. She's smiling. She's all, you know, she, she loves it for some odd reason, because you think about where she was just mere moments ago, watching her son and her now alien husband leave her there on Earth. And all of a sudden, she's just in a good mood looking at all of her creepy children staring at her. Jeez. Um, yeah. So that's that's where we're left. The end of extra. The movie just kind of ends, and that's where I think you were saying that it's not real, not a real resolution in all of that. It just kind of, yep, we're done now. Yeah, and considering how short the movie is, you know, I like they could have, you know, could have been a little bit longer. You know, ten more minutes maybe. But you know, what was it? Six hundred thousand pounds you work with what you got. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think what we end up getting is an experience. It's for me, it's like, and I, and for me, it's one of these movies that like your, your ears perk up when one of your friends goes, yeah, I've never seen that. And you're like, what? Okay. We're watching it right now. Order some pizza. We got something to do. And it's, it's kind of like this weird, like rite of passage thing too. Like, it's like, you mean to tell me you haven't seen extra, like, come on, you've got to see it. It was, it was also um, caught up in the video nasties uh, that, that whole prosecution uh, scam that was going on where believe it or not, it actually got released on home video in the UK on like untouched. It didn't actually get prosecuted and join the list of the actual video nasties that got prosecuted. It was on there, but for one reason or another, they didn't, they didn't think a man being birthed from a woman after an alien raped her and impregnated her was, was too far. 
Evil Dead, though? No, 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 no. No, no, no. We can't have people watching that because that has demons in it. Aliens is fine. Aliens are fine because they're not real. You can. So they had no problem with a woman being raped by aliens, but raped by a tree. That was too far. Yeah, of course. You know, you got to draw a line somewhere. It's a weird place to draw your line, but I, yep. (laughs) Look, this is the British Board of Film. We, you can't, you can't know what these people are thinking. It's like, it's like thinking about what the MPAA does and how they, how they rate movies and the, the notes they give people when they bring in their movies to be rated. Like when I, when I first watched uh, this movie has not yet been rated that documentary about the MPAA, I was like, this is, this is who we have rating our movies seriously you just pull any jackass off the street and they're just going to inject it with their butt like why why what do they know about anything chances are they probably couldn't even draw a stick figure or have any idea of what art is or anything like that yeah it was so frustrating and infuriating watching that reminds me of the george carlin quote think of how stupid the average person is then remember that half of them are stupider than that. It's like, yeah, and this is these are the people you trust in in this area. It's like, yeah, no wonder there's been no wonder we've had such regulation in the American film. It's, it's astonishing. But uh yeah, this film decent. I I would watch it again. That's what I'm saying. Like this is for me, this is probably top three party movies like if i'm thinking about a party movie list this is this is definitely going up there and and for me it hits it hits on like very um very critical levels for me so like special effects absolutely got to be there you know really off the wall moments has this in spades and then it's got good music and that's something else i wanted to bring up is the music was written and composed by Harry Bromley Davenport himself. (laughs) He was a classically trained concert pianist, and he wanted to try out these newfangled synthesizers that were all the rage. And he look in, in looking back on it, he kind of thinks it's kind of silly sounding and every, I love it. I love the soundtrack. Um, it's just, it's, it's one, it's, it's one of those really good themes that you can never forget. It's, it's not as great as Carpenter's for Halloween or like, you know, when any of the other ones that he's done, but it's like right up there. It's just so, it's so fun. And it just, it really sets the mood for this movie. And yeah, like anytime I watch extra, that theme is in my head for at least a week afterwards. Like it's just always there. It's always there floating around in my brain somewhere. Um, but yeah, so um, like I said, extra was spared um, by the British board uh, film commission released on home video in the UK on cut and has since gone on to confound and offend in equal measure for almost 40 years now. Films like this only come along once in a lifetime and for good and bad, 
it's here to stay. Um, I mentioned it earlier. Uh, the British company Second Sight put out a restored version of this movie for home release uh, with both of the endings that we talked about and two other cuts of the film um, and also like four separate features. One of them's a, like a whole hour documentary um, talking with Mark Forstatter, Harry Bromley Davenport and the surviving cast members um, talking about their experience making this special piece of film. Um, for me, I give it an eight for sheer insanity alone and sequences that cannot be unseen. What about you, Connor? I give it a seven. Uh, it's engaging. It's unforgettable. It's It really uh, uses its budget. Uh, the effects don't seem as, you know, dated as they could be. Uh, the characters are engaging. And really, it's just I wanted some plot resolution and a little bit more, you know, on the aliens. But other than that, you know, I would not consider this a, a film I don't like. That shocked me because I kept I kept prefacing. I was like, oh, no, you're you're totally going to hate me for this. I really think you're going to question our friendship after this movie. And and for me, it was like I was thinking about all these outlandish things that happened in there. And I also have to give myself a little bit of credit because I think I've I think I've, I've guided you well enough through this landscape of crazy, crazy movies that I love. And I think I think you're I think you're I think you're seeing them in a way that you may not have seen these movies. Like if, if you would have watched this two, maybe three years ago. I don't know that you would have the reaction you'd be having right now. Yeah, you're completely right. Um, this podcast has really uh, forced me to watch a lot of crazy ass movies. I never would have considered. And every movie I watch reinforces the next movie I watch. So yeah, you're very right. This is, uh, I've enjoyed going outside the box with these films that you, you bring to the show. Keep them coming. I, I will keep doing it as long as you have me to sit and sit with you and talk about them. Um, and, and I think sometimes with, with a lot of these movies, you kind of, you kind of get to understand just how unique the medium of filmmaking is and how it takes all of these different elements and smashes them together and births something truly unique. You know, like reading a book is one experience. Looking at a painting is a completely different experience. Watching a movie is like all of that rolled into one and it's it's truly something magical it has its own kind of language and 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 once you start to understand that i think you your 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 eyes and your mind are open to things that you may not have ever considered before yeah that's very well put uh i'm loving this journey i'm loving getting to become a better uh film person become a better film buff become you know closer to you guys through film like it's this has been just a blast and i'm 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 so thankful we get to do this yeah i i love it man i i, I can't get enough of it um it's it's always fun especially when when I, when I can look at my shelf i actually have a shelf now 
all my movies are at and I can look, Hmm, what do I want to, what do I want to subject Connor to this time? And just (laughs) finding, finding anything and everything. And yeah, before we sat down for this, I was was telling Caleb, I was like, I really got to go for, I really got to go hard now. Connor liked extra. What the hell am I going to try and surprise him with next? Like (laughs) shit, you are, you are making it harder on me. And I appreciate you also might regret it yeah i I feel like down the road yeah the the harder it gets the the more it's going to be like oh boy this was a mistake so (laughs) it's it's gonna happen i know it is (laughs) awesome uh yeah what do we got going on uh next week so uh next week um it's gonna be connor's pick he's got twilight zone the movie and this film, it's got quite the dark cloud looming over it. And, um, you know, for, for things that happened during the production, um, which was talked about on the Shutter series, Cursed Films, um, it, it addresses that tragic moment um, and an accident that cost the lives of some of its cast. Um, a lot of, a lot of, you know, a lot of negative uh, energy gets thrown at John Landis. And I don't know that, he totally deserves all of that um, with filmmaking being the collaborative effort that it is, you know, not to directly correlate them, but with the incident that happened, excuse me, with the incident that happened with um, Alec Baldwin and stuff like that, he's not the, the sole person that's responsible for all that stuff. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm certainly looking forward to hearing your thoughts about it. Um, if I'm sitting across from you doing it, we'll have a lot, we'll have a lot of fun. I don't know exactly, um, who's going to be joining you with that, but, uh, it, it'll be a good, it'll be a good one. Nonetheless, it's a great anthology movie and yeah, sure to, uh, sure to be a good experience. Nonetheless. Yeah. The second chair is up in the air right now, but I'm sure whoever it is, is going to be awesome. This is a film I've wanted to do on the show for a long time, specifically to dig into and address the, uh, the incident, but also to kind of remind people that the movie is not just that incident, that this movie deserves a life of its own. And I'm very much looking forward to digging into each segment, discussing the pros and cons and just getting freaked out because it's a freaky movie. Oh Uh, yeah. Yeah. There are lots of things that really messed me up. I mean, right from the start. And I told you this before we recorded (laughs) the, the opening scene messed me up. John Lithgow Mm. was wonderful in in his remake of william shatner's episode of the twilight zone um actually check this out extra and the twilight zone the movie have a nice little connecting thread because there's a story about a kid who can make shit up <laughs> yes indeed look at this nice. see, see we, we 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 know more about what's going on than you think we know guys See, we are we're planning stuff out. We don't even know it. Yeah, film is an intricate tapestry, constantly being woven, and we are only getting glimpses of it at any given time. I firmly believe that. I, I don't. I don't know how I'm going to top that. Damn you! <laughs> Brilliant. That's why. That's why they pay me the big bucks. <laughs> um, then share some with us, chief. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> <laughs> On uh, Oscar Sunday this week, uh, Black Hawk Down, Ridley Scott's epic uh, 
Somalia war movie that I have yet to watch. I'm excited to check that out. Sneak preview this week, uh, House of Gucci, Encanto, Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City. Those are our releases. Uh, probably going to be House of Gucci, but you know what? Encanto could be amazing. Resident Evil could be amazing. Who knows? Uh, tune in to find out what we talk about. Yeah, um, I know that I bought tickets for Caleb and I to go see Resident Evil. I'm all about it. And I am ashamed that you have not watched Black Hawk Down until yeah, now for the podcast. I've seen Black Hawk Down. I, there's a, a big list of films I've been getting shit for for quite some time. <laughs> it's nice to finally knock those out. Black Hawk Down is one of those movies. <laughs> hey, any excuse, any excuse to get movies checked off the list. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, this was great. Uh, this is episode two of me being the host. Um, still trying to uh, get my get my bearings, um, but I also want to make it, uh, you know, a little more me, a little more you know my style. Uh, I hope that uh, that comes across. You guys are enjoying these. Um, please, you know, engage us on social media, Instagram, and. Twitter, we're, uh, we're at Filmgasm. You can also email us at, at Filmgasm, filmgasm at gmail.com uh, for suggestions, comments, whatever. You don't like the way my voice sounds. I can't help that. You're not to blame my parents. I can't do anything about <laughs> it. Um, I'm also on Twitter at Zombie Killer. Uh, you, can, uh, you can also follow Caleb. He's at ScaryCaleb92. He should probably come up with a new one, but I'm not going to. I'm not criticizing him or anything, but until then, if you ever catch your dad eating snake eggs, just know that he might be a horny, evil alien looking to take you on his spaceship. Look to the skies and keep watching movies.